Today's podcast is brought to you by Dwen, the Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network powered by Dell Technologies. Dwen connects female entrepreneurs around the globe with networks, knowledge, and insight that gives them the power to do more. Learn more at Dwen.com. Welcome to the Dwen Podcast brought to you by our partner, Hogan Lovells. Hogan Lovells is a global legal firm who Dwen has been delighted to partner with for the past three years. My name is Jamie Troxell, Global Marketing Lead for Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network. Today's podcast focuses on return to work for employers with lessons learned from China, including health and safety challenges involved in getting employees back to the workplace across the globe. Welcome to the Hogan Lovell's Litigation Landscape podcast series. These episodes will focus on the legal issues affecting businesses during COVID-19 disruption and beyond. Our team of global lawyers will help you navigate through these challenging times by providing expert insights and practical suggestions, giving you the tools you need to mitigate your risk and ensure stability. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We're focusing on the key issues facing employers as COVID-19 related lockdown measures ease across the world, leaving businesses to grapple with how to return to the workplace. I'm Stefan Martin, a partner in our global employment team based in London. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Philip Cheng, based in Shanghai, Sherry Gong, based in Beijing, Maria Benbrahim, based in Amsterdam, and Kevin O'Connor, who's also in London. Let me start with an apology. We're all dialing in to record this podcast from our homes, so please do bear with us if you catch any background noise. Together, we're going to look at what return to workplace lessons we can learn from China, which is now broadly out of lockdown, and the key health and safety challenges involved in getting employees back into their normal workplaces. So Philip, let me start with a question for you. Have things returned to normal in China since the lockdown was eased? I would say by and large, yes, right? And it's comparative to what we're seeing in the other parts of the world. Just like other countries, China's never going to really get back to what was the prior normal. But what we're seeing in terms of you know activity levels, people uh, returning to work, traffic jams, and just uh, office buildings being more occupied than they were before, bustling cities. I mean, you do see that right now. You do see quite a lot, quite a bit of activity. Obviously, uh, in the workplace, you do have measures that weren't in place before in terms of ensuring that you've got your face masks on, you've got proper disinfectant in place, you've got proper social distancing measures being uh, implemented, uh, as well as followed by employers and, and, and employees alike. So, you know, I, I would say that by and large, uh, China's been back to normal and, and, it, and it's been going on for at least a month now. And, and it's been a gradual process. I, I wouldn't say that people came back online uh, and workers uh, went back into the offices as well as, well as the factories uh, overnight. It was a very gradual process. And we saw this with employers that even though they invited their employees back, not necessarily all of them. Uh, did come back and there was quite a bit of flexibility and we saw that with a number of our clients um, as well as with us. Okay so you think it's, it's not really a return to normal it's uh, it's really establishing a new normal is that um, is that right would you agree with that Cherry? Uh, yes I agree now we get used to a new normal 
because after the COVID-19, the people become more cautious, employers and employees. Um, and that they also deal with a lot of issue about like a personal data issue. Uh, maybe one month ago, we are more inclined to advise our clients. They can likely can rely on their exemptions under the some uh, guidelines for without the, the employee's consent to collect the personal data to handle the COVID-19 issue. But now uh, we see that gradually the justification to collect the uh, personal data without consent to adjust the COVID-19 become uh, like a less uncertain. It's more prudent. It's still rely on the consent for, uh, of the employee will be recommended. Okay. Philip, is that something you've seen with your clients as well? Are, are sort of personal data or privacy issues a, um, a big challenge in terms of the return to workplace? It is. It is one of the questions that is, is being asked, especially when they're trying to gather information about the whereabouts and, and so forth. It is a concern uh, of our clients. Uh, obviously, many of our clients happen to be multinationals. The one thing I would say, though, is, is that during that period of time when China was emerging from, from its lockdown and com companies coming back online, uh, and employees going going back to work. It was a situation where I, I think employers, while you know multinational employers were very were quite concerned about these data privacy issues. You know, from a China regulatory perspective, in the name of health and safety, you know, collecting such data from employees for the purposes of health and safety, it was was really not a, a big issue. I would say in in terms of actually running afoul with, with these rules, but I think that it was a concern for a number of our clients. Okay. Um, Maria, what, do you, what are you seeing in, in, in the Netherlands? I imagine perhaps uh, privacy and data privacy concerns are perhaps more front of mind. Well, in the Netherlands, we are actually uh, still at the very, very beginning of the uh, new normal, which is also a new concept in the Netherlands. The Dutch governmental advice is still to remain to work from home as much as possible, but there is increasingly room for returning to work. An employer in the Netherlands uh, is obliged to ensure a safe and healthy working environment. This means that an employer must take special efforts to identify and assess the risks. And in that respect, employers ask us a lot whether it would be possible to subject their employees to health uh, checks, like uh, body temperature checks, uh, before allowing uh, the employees access to the workplace. Under Dutch law, uh, privacy law is, is strict as well. So whilst it seems uh, useful to ensure a safe and, and healthy working environment, Dutch data protection laws simply prohibit keeping records of temperature checks uh, by employers. Data protection laws also prohibit employers asking employees to record a COVID-19 diagnosis. This may only be different if the company doctor would specifically carry out these kind of tests. N nevertheless, an employee can also uh, reasonably ask an, an employee to monitor uh, his or her temperature on a regular basis. But in general, Dutch privacy laws do not allow for employees to be obliged to do this or to share this medical information with the employer. Okay, thanks. Moving away from privacy concerns for um, for a second, Kevin. What what from a health and safety angle? What are the the, the key issues you've been um, seeing clients grappling with? 
Well, in the UK, I mean, we have a system that's um, very flexible. Um, we have a um, health and safety regime that's non-prescriptive. So what that means is that it's flexible, but um, employers are left to make a lot of decisions um, and judge them themselves as to what's reasonably practical um, to protect the health and safety of their employees in their particular workplaces. So at the moment in the UK, as we are just slowly lifting our lockdown, um, employers are having to make really difficult decisions as to you know, what, what is reasonably practicable, um, how far do they need to go. Um, and as you say, we have similar data privacy and general employment law concerns to factor in. It's a difficult situation and um, a lot of difficult decisions that have to be made. And, and have you seen um, employees generally being quite cooperative in relation to what employers are, are proposing? Do, do, do employers have to go out and talk to employees about the return to, to, to the workplace or, or can they just decide what's appropriate and get on with it? Yeah, in the UK and I think in other jurisdictions, it's 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 going to be absolutely essential for employers to um, consult and engage with their employees. I mean, in the UK, it's a legal requirement to start with, but aside from the um, the legal requirement itself, it obviously makes enormous sense for any employer to engage with their employees on these measures. And clearly, if employees are engaged, if they understand why things are being done or not being done, they're far more likely to um, comply and cooperate and to trust that their employer has done um, what's necessary to keep them safe. Okay, thanks. And is, is, that, um, is that the same in, in China, Philip? Was there, was there quite a, a lot of employee engagement in terms of the uh, protocols that might apply when people return to the, the workplace or uh, was it more employer driven? I would say that uh, a lot of it was top down. You do have, I think, in in the society, very much edicts and mandates that are handed from high on up, right, and that it gets filtered down. That happens within government, and I think also it happens obviously when it com comes from government all the way down to sort of the, the business community. What we saw was just employers and companies implementing a lot of the rules that were put in place by. Uh, local governments that got their mandates from provincial governments and who in turn got them from the central governments. But, you know, what we did see was is that there were a lot of local variations. There was there was opportunities for, for companies to be a bit flexible with respect to things like how they uh, uh, had their employees come back in terms of staggered work schedules, you know, having employees come in through subsidized transportation. I mean, we've got one client who from February, early March up until April was subsidizing transportation, private car hire uh, into their offices for all of their employees. And they just stopped doing that at the end of April. And so it was going on for a number of months. And, and not all employees were doing that. And it wasn't necessarily that the employees more, more to your question, it wasn't necessarily that the employees were requiring or demanding uh, that that be the case. It was just that during this period of time with obviously very heightened sensitivity and no employer, absolutely not, not, not one employer wanted it to be in any kind of social media or, or news feed that they had one case, one COVID case. So you, you had quite a bit of variations. We did see that a lot of it was, was employer driven, but a lot but 
uh, that that was really driven by many many of the regulations that were coming from the local governments as as well as you know what we saw from property management companies or building management they they themselves uh, got a lot of policies that were handed down to them and they were imposing it on on employers as as well okay thanks maria on the uh, that subject of, of transport to and from the workplace uh, what what have you seen in the in in the netherlands i know in in the uk uh, certainly in respect of people based in London, it's been a big issue with how um, and when people can get back onto public transport and go into their workplace. What, what have you seen in the Netherlands in terms of uh, the steps employers are taking to try and make employees feel safe about coming back to work commuting? Indeed, the use of public transport is a very important factor in allowing employees to come back or not and or requiring them to come back. And in against the, this background, the Dutch government has particularly stressed that employers will have to allow employees still to work from home as much as possible because the public transportation in the Netherlands has not full capacity yet. It's just maximum 40% of the normal capacity that can be used in order to allow for a certain distance, definitely not the 1.5 meter. For that reason, it is also compulsory to wear face masks. If an employee is simply not able to work from home, an employer will first have to request the employee whether or not it is possible to travel to work with his own uh, vehicle. And if an employee is only able to travel to the workplace with, with public transport as of the 1st of June, the use of medical face masks will be obligatory. Okay, thanks. And Kevin, what are the, in terms of specific measures you're seeing employers taking to uh, protect their employees in terms of the the return to workplace? What what, what are you seeing? Are you you seeing uh, temperature checks being put in place, people being required to wear face masks around the office? What what sort of things are employers doing? I mean, imagine it, it probably varies industry to industry. Yes, there's there's certainly some employers who are looking at specific measures like temperature checking, um, even some form of testing. Um, but by and large, um, most employers are following um, the UK government's guidance, which really emphasises social distancing and good hygiene. In fact, in the UK, we really we haven't mandated the use of face masks at all. Some employers are using them, but Generally speaking, um, you don't see as many face masks in the UK as you would in other parts of the world. So uh, employers are really looking quite closely at you know how their offices work, how people move around their offices when they arrive or leave. They're looking at points in the office which people will congregate, things they will touch frequently. And looking quite, or well, the best employers are looking at, at those issues very systematically and thinking about how um, you know the transmission risks can be reduced, and uh, you know they, they need to do that, do that quite creatively. There's lots of options available to try and reduce contact, um, you know, with surfaces and between individuals. Okay, thanks, Sherry. What what about you in 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 Beijing? Is that um, a similar picture there? Is it sort of very much employer to employer, different measures for different businesses? Uh, yes, I think for for example some like office building previously we have like 50 percent employee can come to the office but now sounds like uh, the restriction has been lifted 
uh, 100% is permitted, but there are still some requirements like you must have uh, the sufficient space for the employees to occupy. So like uh, if your office has more than, uh, it's very crowded, then you have to still control the employees to return for work. Um, so there are some difference between the uh, industries. Okay, thanks. Maybe we could move away now and talk to um, some of the issues coming up as governments start to withdraw some of the support that has been provided to, to businesses over this period. So certainly in the UK, at least, a lot of the talk has been around the possibility of large-scale redundancies or employee restructurings starting to happen as the government support is reduced and in, in some cases withdrawn. Philip, did you see anything like that um, happening in China as businesses got back to, to the workplace? Did they restructure at that point or was, is it really too early to say? I, I would say that it's, it's kind of all over the map right now. We do see some companies started to restructure. We've had inquiries from clients in the early days and many of these were consumer retail that were just saying to us, look, we know what we're going to do, but we just advise us on the risk. We're aware that China is a very pro-employee jurisdiction. And if we try to unilaterally terminate, we could try to do that, but we know that there are going to be issues. They also asked, look, we might not be looking at doing an employee restructuring, but we're looking at doing a compensation restructuring, right? Where it was that we're withholding bonuses that have been communicated, or we are uh, reducing salary, or we are cutting their hours. And because we're cutting their hours, obviously, we're going to be cutting their, their pay. They, they There were a number of different companies that were coming to us asking about whether or not they could do a lot of these things unilaterally. When they asked us those questions, it was very much that they were going to do it anyways, despite what the risks are. They, they just needed us to advise them what those risks. I think that it is extremely unprecedented. We could sense that there would probably, at a, at a practical level, it would be very difficult for for there to be large-scale lawsuits uh, or, or arbitrations against employers who just basically didn't have the money and, and needed to terminate pretty quickly. That That's really on the practical side, but really on the legal side, obviously, we're, we had to advise employers that definitely would be a, a valid claim against them if they were to do these things unilaterally. In terms of the way that the government has addressed this, I mean, they've, they've issued a number of different types of notices and policies with respect to termination of employees and, and, and restructuring. You know, I would say that a lot of it is just, I think the general theme is it just repeats what the rules were before. And, and I said it earlier, which is simply consent. Now, you know, there, you may see that there is some softening in the language where you would assume that, okay, well, then, then we could probably do it in, in a unilateral way somewhat, or we don't need to get every single employee's uh, consent. But I would say that if you read it very closely, it is very much still that the government's not really trying to give an opportunity for employee, employers to do mass layoffs without some kind of consultation or consent process. Okay, thank you. Maria, what about in, in the Netherlands? Are you seeing the government support there being rolled back and uh, a consequent uptick in the number of redundancies or employee restructurings? In the Netherlands, we have also a wage recovery program up to 90% of, of the wages, provided that there is a decline of uh, results and turnover 
of at least 20%. So that's quite generous for, for Dutch standards. One of the most important conditions was that indeed there would be no collective redundancies be implemented. So that was now a 1.0. Now we're having a now 2.0. And you see that they introduced a very high penalty on redundancies. So there will be flexibility on mass redundancies, provided you engage with trade unions and you try to agree on a reasonable social plan for the redundant employees. And if you would not manage to engage with trade unions and you just, uh, as an employer, implement uh, redundant, collective redundancies, uh, you may be penalized up to uh, 5% of the total wage sum. There is this Dutch sentiment in the society, basically shouting for more strictness in a sense that especially if large companies have been paying out dividends in the past years and large bonuses, they simply do not feel that governmental support for personal costs would be justified. And as a result now, there are new rules very recently announced, basically requiring employers to commit not to pay bonuses to members of management and to pay out dividends to shareholders outside of the group in respect of 2020. So um, indeed, we also see in the Netherlands this trend of yeah, becoming more strict and introducing more conditions to governmental support. Okay. Thank you, Philip, Sherry, Maria and Kevin for your insights um, this morning. It doesn't sound like we're heading back to normal, more like we're heading towards a new normal. We're not quite sure what that's going to look like. It's been really interesting talking with you, uh, lots to think about. If anyone listening would like to discuss anything we've raised, please do get in touch. You can find all of the presenters' details on the Hogan Lovells website. I'd also encourage you to visit the Hogan Lovells COVID-19 Topic Centre or our COVID-19 Global Guide. Uh, both of these you can find on our website as well. And uh, these guides contain a wealth of useful information on return to workplace issues and other COVID-19 resources. And we've picked up on a few of these today, but there's much, much more to look at on those guides. So thank you for joining us and I wish you a good day. If you're interested in any of the issues raised during this podcast, we can help please speak to your Hogan Lovells contact or visit our website, hoganlovells.com.